The Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome, everyone. Thanks, as always, for listening to The Abstract Athlete Podcast. To our amazing listeners and our sponsors, thank you, as always, for your support. If you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. A reminder to listen to the two other podcasts we have on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. You can follow us on all of our social media platforms or check out our websites for updates. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, for information on subscription boxes and on upcoming events and workshops. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Absolutely excited about the podcast today as I get to speak with artist, executive director of the NFLPA Professional Athlete Foundation, and former All-American and national champion linebacker for Penn State, and 10-year NFL vet and Super Bowl champion with the Washington football team, Andre Collins. Going to chat about his amazing paintings and how he reconnected to painting during his NFL days and all of the great work he is doing with the NL, NFLPA Professional Athlete Foundation and how he is inspiring creativity. Also going to talk about his incredible playing career, including his college days at Penn State and in the NFL. Make sure to stop by his site on Instagram, Andre Collins Cafe, and you can also check out the NFLPA Professional Athletes Foundation on Instagram at yourpaf. Let's welcome Andre Collins. Hey there. Hey, Ron. Sorry about that. You might be right, you know? <laughs> I had but, it written uh, down at 1230, but maybe we got confused with it. That's okay. Totally yeah, good. I think, I think sometimes, sometimes I put it in my calendar a little early because I'm so busy and I'm just yeah. trying to remind myself Absol- that it's got to be. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thank you for doing this. And, you know, if we get cut off early, we'll just do a second one in the future. So, okay. <laughs> but thank you for doing that. I'm recording, by the way, I always kind of like jump right in. Um, you know, I like, I'm so happy that Leslie put us in contact because, you know, you are somebody that we've obviously been really interested in talking to because a of your past and what you're doing now. I mean, you know, this, you know, first of all, like this is your platform, like, so this can go anywhere, but I always want to give like a little, a little background. I mean, cause it's, you know, it's crazy. Like you played in the NFL for 10 years. Like you're, you're, you're an all American at Penn state. You're a butt kiss award winner. Like you're a super bowl champion. And one of the coolest thing that I read about you was that you started painting while you were playing. And that's one of the big things that um, the abstract athlete talks about really is that proactive approach to showing that art is like a good, as a good thing for you, as opposed to being a reactive approach. So I'm interested to hear about how you like relate to, cause you work for, you're the executive director for the NFLPA players at professional, professional, professional athletes, athletes foundation. Yeah. Yes. And so you deal with a lot of, you know, the, the players and like, how do you react to them and, you know, like give them kind of that platform that you've taken advantage of. And again, like this conversation can go anywhere because 
for me, like you're, you're so damn interesting. <laughs> well, I'll be honest, Ron, when you, when you put it that way, when you started talking about my career and all those things, it's hard for me to even imagine that I, it's almost like I was listening to you talk about someone else, <laughs> but that really was me. Um, and, um, you know, especially when I deal with my players, I know that sports, like like performance art, it's creative and it's movement. And I had, um, I've done a lot of artistic things and I can just remember one thing that really stands out. I was also taking trumpet lessons while I was an active player. And I remember inviting my uh, trumpet instructor to one of the games. And, um, you know, we came to the game and then the next week when I showed up for my lesson, he said, you know what? He said, I stayed up all night after that game, just just rehearsing and just playing because the energy on the field, it was so poetic. It was so artistic. And I never really thought about it. I never really thought about sport like being a dance. But um, in so many ways, um, it really is. But for me and my art, um, I had the most wonderful art teacher in high school, Miss Solani. And, you know, I just took the class as an elective because I was always, I was always interested in art. I always um, loved the museum, you know, growing up in New Jersey, just outside of Philadelphia, I had a lot of access to a lot of really cool artistic things. Uh, but Miss Solani, when I started to paint and do some things, she kind of pulled me aside and she said, you know what, you're not bad at this. You should really spend a little more time trying to focus on it and finishing what you do. Um, I got an A in the class. I graduated high school, went on to college and never really thought about my art again um, until I was a player in the NFL, maybe five seasons in and the football in my life was just taking over everything. It was just, there was no balance, just too much football. All of my friends were my teammates, but there was nothing wrong with that, but there was just no balance or no room for other things. <clears throat> so I remember Miss Solani's words. I went out and I bought some canvases and, you know, I, I tried oil paint at first, but that was, that was way too hard to work with. I don't <laughs> know why I thought yeah. that I was going to do that. Then I realized acrylic on canvas was my medium and um, acrylic's easy to work with. And I just started to paint and it was, uh, some of it was pretty bad in the beginning, um, but I was bold. I, I was this NFL player. So everyone was interested in having me around. And, you know, I, I, you know, I painted some pieces for the Smithsonian Folk Life Festival. They really tried to feature me, but my art was not great at the time. Um, but um, in, in doing those things, I did meet some guys here in Washington, D.C., um, uh, Scott Tucker, who has really blossomed as an artist and an ad design guy, and um, Steve, um, what's Steve's, uh, I can't think of Steve's last name, but, you know, but both of those guys kind of took me under their wing a little bit and kind of, you know, showed me how to finish my art where people might enjoy it a little better, you know, priming my boards a little bit, you know, priming my canvas, just, you know, just the little things that are the beginning of what an artwork looks like. 
So I started to do that. And, you know, you know, eventually I felt good about my stuff. And, you know, I've actually even sold a few pieces. So it's pretty cool. Whether or not they're buying them because I'm Andre Collins or buying them because they like it, it still feels good uh, to get them out there. Oh, absolutely. Like that. I, I always say when I sell a painting, it's it's just like, whoa, okay. You know, I mean, it's, it is kind of like a shock in some ways. But it, it's, you know, you said something that I think a lot of us, well, I, I always say that everybody grew up creative. I mean, we just did. Like we sat at the kitchen table. You come from a big family, correct? Like yeah. huge. Fa- 19 of us, 19, 19 kids yeah. off to my mother and father. So yeah. big family. Yep. And, and so you like, you were probably like extraordinarily creative in that space. And then, you know, then you're defined as a football player. I was defined at, well, in high school, I was defined as a football, baseball, basketball, then baseball was my thing after that. But it's almost like you're not supposed to do the creative thing because, you know, for us as men, we're, you know, you're not man enough if you do something that's beautiful or creative or whatever. And I, it's just interesting now that I think more and more people are starting to talk about that they are creative outside of their sport, that it is beneficial, you know, and, and for our mental wellness, it's a good thing to do. And, and I'm curious, you said you didn't do anything in college. Like one of the things that I started along with the business is I teach down at Virginia Commonwealth and I've started a program here that's basically called art and athletics. And it's really just, it's a, it's a space to allow people that are not in the art programs, even though artists do take the class to just be creative. Mm -hmm. And particularly a lot of the athletes, the student athletes take the class and it's just, it's amazing to watch. It's like absolutely rewarding. And I wish that I would have had this when I was at Ohio state, sorry, (laughs) that I was at the Ohio state thing. Um, But I wish that I would have had this when I was playing sports because yeah. I do think that, you know, it calms the mind down. Obviously, being a student in general, being a human is stressful. It's in the times of COVID, everything's really stressful. Well, here's something you can do that you enjoy and it's good for you. Like, so it's, I, did you ever, have you ever thought back? Like, I wish that I would have been able to take classes at Penn State when you were, I mean, I know it's a hindsight question. It's not. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, in hindsight, I wish I, I wish I would have, um, because I mean, even at Penn state, you know, football was almost like a job. I mean, we went to class in the morning. I never had the luxury of afternoon classes because the afternoons were for my job, which was, you know, going over to the football facility, working out, practicing, and, you know, all those things that come with it. And really at the time, I was just a young athlete. I was trying to survive at Penn State and trying to find my way. So uh, the art was so far in the back of my mind that, you know, I was so present with, with sports that I was pushing forward, you know, with that. But one thing I did do, and this is artistic, one thing I did do at Penn State at, toward the end of my college career was I started taking uh, ballet classes because, you know, I had read some stuff about Herschel Walker dancing ballet. And I just, I wanted to do the most I could to become the best athlete um, that I could be. And um, I took some uh, ballet classes and that moved into some other modern dance classes. And I really absolutely enjoyed that. And um, 
I ended my, you know, my wife today, you know, is a former dancer. So, you know, I would, I'm able to, to talk to her about those things. I pretend I know a lot more than I do. <laughs> and, and my, and my middle child, my daughter, uh, Karis is, is a ballerina as well. So at least I'm able to go to those shows and I laugh and I can say, oh, your plie was a little off, your grand jeté, you were dragging that back leg a little <laughs> bit. So we, we have some fun with that. You're a damn good father. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, you know, I w- in hindsight, I wish I would have uh, worked on it a little more. I think the resources at Penn State would have served me well in my with my art. Yeah. Now, I... I it- you know, like, again, like reading some of the stuff, I love the way that you, you, as a painter myself, I love the way that you talk about your paintings. I think you said something like, I'm not, I'm not like a perfectionist or something like that, but I really love to let the colors speak for, for themselves. And, yeah. and that's kind of, I mean, I kind of work in that abstraction, like, cause your work is is kind of like some of the stuff that I've seen is kind of figurative, but it's still abstract and you like really, really beautiful. Like, uh, you know, like you can tell, like you have a beautiful stroke with, with your paint and, and thinking about like, like where do, where do the ideas come from? Or is it just like kind of spontaneous? No, I, I definitely have some influences and I wish I could paint more figuratively and more detailed, but that's just, that's just not my skill. I think when I was younger and even in college, I used to look at a lot of uh, Monet, Renoir, uh, Gauguin, but, you know, realize I, I can't paint in that kind of detail. Um, so the artist that really inspired me today, and I can't paint like him either, but African-American Ernie Barnes, former NFL player. I love looking at his stuff just for some of the flow. I cannot paint like him, but I think my biggest influences have been uh, Matisse and, um, and Willem de Kooming, who, you know, they do add some figurative stuff in there, but you know, they really use color to the colors that they use is what I'm attracted to and makes it appealing to me. So I try my best to kind of paint in that style. Yeah. No. And I can see the one, I think it's the one you sent me earlier. might've been one that I'd seen uh, on a site, but there is definitely a Matissean kind of feel about it, but your colors are different. Like you, like you really do like, that's why I love that phrase is color really does like jump off the canvas. And, and is there any, any reason like for, for why, like, like how you're thinking about color? Is it just like, I always say like my colors are kind of, it, it just came about, you know, and. Well, I have, I've, I've kind of, you know, I've kind of lived in some different color ranges, you know, throughout the course of my works. Um, you know, I've gone from from blues to, you know, trying to paint bright to, you know, some some yellows, you know, and, you know, even experimenting um, with black paints. But I think my colors, you know, I kind of have an image in my mind and an idea of what I want to paint and what colors I think it will be. You know, so when I sketch out and I start to mix my paints, um, the colors just happen. 
Um, I don't like when my brights are so bright. I always try and dull them a little bit with a with a touch of black, you know, or a touch of brown. That's just appealing to me. Um, but the colors are just the colors, and when I mix them, I use them. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not real picky. I don't like to try and waste a bunch. Sometimes I'll paint two paintings at once. And the colors will be will be similar. So, yep. but for me, it's 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 just fun. I try not to take myself um, too seriously. Some of the stuff I paint, I I you know I I sit back and I say, like, darn, that's in there, and it <laughs> it kind of blows me away a little bit. And then there's some stuff I paint where I just put a big black X on it and say, I'm gonna save this canvas for later. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's the beauty of being an artist, though, because you can never get anything wrong. You just paint over it. You just start That's over. Right. That's so, right. I, I, like, I am interested. Like, when you did start painting while you were playing, you probably, you know, I. It's it's interesting when we kind of started this business, uh, you know, a couple years back. One of the first people that I brought up to my business partner as kind of breaking that mold of, or knocking down walls of, you know, the athletes are on one side and the artists are on the other was Rosie Greer, who is obviously another Penn State um, alum. And Penn State really does seem to have, a, you know, Aaron Mabin, who I just had on the podcast recently. Uh, there's, there's, there seems to be like this really interesting dynamic between athletes and artists coming out of Penn State. But I, I guess like when you started painting when you were still playing did you feel kind of like an outsider like in some ways because again like I would just remember when I was playing sports and I was like creative it's almost you know it's like well you're an athlete you can't do that I mean did you feel that kind of experience I mean it, to go back to the Penn State dynamic a little bit you know and you you have to include Mike Reed as maybe oh, yeah. one of the greatest one of the greatest artists that has has ever come <laughs> yep. out of Penn State in the performance arts but um I mean I think you know some of this goes back to coach Paterno and the type of players that he wanted to to recruit and have on his team um so many of us we were we were so much alike in so many ways and we were really encouraged um, to be ourselves, um, we were really encouraged to not not really worry too much about what the next guy thought about your personality. He wanted us to get along, but he also knew that there was room in there for the individual. And I just I applaud that because I really I really liked everyone that I played with at Penn State, and even today, you know, our friendships are strong. But I think Coach Paterno really created that atmosphere where, you know, almost every day in our team meetings, you know, he always led the conversation with something that was unrelated uh, to football. You know, he talked about um, philosophy. He talked about life. He talked about his old friends. He talked about growing up in New York City. So there was just this interesting, electrifying thing about him that you know, made us feel confident and comfortable in wanting to be ourselves. So, and I think what's nice about that is, is your position now working with players, you can bring that same dynamic to them because I think that that's important because, you know, I, I think in the last maybe 10 years, again, 
that the hashtag more than an athlete is kind of coming out, but we're still like programmed almost to look at an athlete as that's, that's who they are. That's all they do. Yeah. And, and for us, what I think is really fun is, you know, like we work with Tony Mandrich, for instance, and to walk into a room with him, you know, this guy's Tony Mandrich, he's six, six, he's a big dude. And he makes these beautiful photographs. And what I always like to say is with, with his voice and with the voices of the people we work with, like with your voice, it gives people permission to be creative yeah. and, you know, particularly like kids, but it also like is for the adults. It's like when an adult looks at somebody like you or somebody like Tony and they go, Oh, well, if this big dude that played pro football for 10 years can make these beautiful paintings, I can do that. I can sit down and paint for a while or draw. And I think that's like really important to society and how we, how we move around and how we treat each other. I think if everybody did something creative every day would be a better society. <laughs> yeah. You're making some great points. And I think, you know, when I first took the job at the NFLPA, <clears throat> one of the things I used to always say was to, to myself, really, this was my motivation. I would say, I really want the world, you know, to see athletes in a different way. You know, I really want the world to see athletes in a different way because you know, you talk about it a little bit, but for, for athletes and for me, I'll speak from my own personal experience. It was painful um, to be kind of painted into a corner that, hey, you're an athlete and you're only capable of so much, you know, because I can only see you as this football player. I'm not even going to use the phrase, but, you know, I will. But, you know, dumb jump always used to come up that started to be this thing. And I just never really understood that because for me, I, I'm an athlete, I'm a scholar, I'm an artist, I'm, I'm so many things. And most of the athletes that I ever was around and played with were so dynamic and, and scholars. You know, football in particular is not an easy game to play. You just can't walk out there and not be someone who can think and can analyze what's going on. It really is a smart person's game. So I never really, I never really understood that. But I've always wanted to do my part to encourage my players to be, be the most they can be. So one of the series that we run, you know, regularly on yourpaf.com, which is the foundation's website, is you know, it's um, kind of featuring players, you know, after the game, and you know, we always tag most of our stories and most of our posts with, you know, action creates opportunity. So just, you know, just go out there and live. And, you know, you know, the stories are, you know, the next generation of you, like, what are you beyond? What are you beyond this game? What are you beyond your career? So I think that's been motivating for, for lots of former players. Well, and I, you bring up something I think is interesting because one of the things I do talk to a lot of former athletes about, and, and I remember myself when I stopped playing, it's, it's a hard stop. It's in, you know, and for you again, like you are a scholar and you have three degrees, correct? Yeah. Three. I mean, and, and yet you're and you're an artist as well. Like, so you, you, I think probably, I, mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like when you stopped, you kind of knew like you had it together. Like you knew what, what was going on, but a lot of players 
do not. And, and that there is that kind of when it does end, what is next? And like, is that something that like you're constantly talking to players about? Well, I, I mean, I would say even though, you know, it appears that I had it together and I think on paper, I did have it together. Um, but you know, when you, when you, participate in athletics at the college level. The same thing happened to college players that happened to pro players. It's a hard stop. And there really is a loss of identity and a sense of purpose. So even for me, feeling like on paper, I was ready to take the next step. That sense of purpose is really something you have to try and connect with. And that can be very difficult to find. So when I'm talking to my players about problems from A to Z. I don't, I don't say that I'm excluded. I've experienced everything that my players have experienced. So when I, when I talk to them and try and lead them, I'm leading um, from a sympathetic place uh, because I've been there. Right. Yeah. Did I, I, so you, when you stopped playing, you went into the NFLPA as a director of player- former Years. Okay. Yeah. And then for the last seven or eight years, you've been in the position you're in the executive director. And so one of the bigger things you do, which how we got in contact with you, because we actually were a part of it this year, is this smocks and jocks, which has been going on for 13 years. Is I think this was, I think this was the 16th, 16th year. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is a really cool, um, you know, obviously this year was different because it was all virtual, but it's, it takes place during the Super Bowl. It's former athletes that are creative and you set up basically, basically an exhibition. And again, I think that helps promote this idea that people are doing more than what you're watching on television. And, and I mean, is that something that like, you're like really proud of to be a part of and like really push forward? Um, and that's, I, I- I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm so pleased with, you know, how Smocks and Jocks has grown and, you know, has taken its place, you know, certainly on Super Bowl weekend. It, it really is, you know, I'm told it really is one of the signature events that, um, you know, people want to engage. So, you know, just proud of it from from that perspective that, you know, it, it's kind of gained some 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 legs here. Um, in the beginning, some of the art was, you know, <laughs> folk art, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, but I didn't really want to turn any players down. I really wanted players to be encouraged to keep going um, by participating. And I'll say this over the years, um, those some of those early players that were in the show, they've really improved. And now it's it's known that there's an art community among players and we get hundreds of submissions and the committee actually has to turn down um, some of the works. And I'll say this, this year's show was some of the best art that we've ever had. It was really fine art and just so proud of the players for going on this journey with us. Yeah. Now, I, again, like it's to me, it is like this really fun different event like you know and we were like really thrilled to be a part of it this year that you know again like this is how we've gotten in contact with you through you know, through, through different channels and stuff but Q- 
quick reminder to make sure to stop by Andre's site on Instagram at Andre Collins Cafe. And also check out the NFLPA Professional Athletes Foundation on Instagram at your PAF. And another reminder to make sure to listen to our other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. You can follow us on all of our social media platforms or check out our websites. Now, back to Andre. You know, one of the things you mentioned earlier was kind of in, inspiration, you know, like in terms of artists, like, you know, Matisse and de Kooning and uh, like, are there other people that like you would say, like they were inspiring? Maybe, you know, you mentioned Paterno, Paterno um, you, you know, like other people that inspire you, like, again, you come from a big family and I believe you I read that you, four of your brothers played football. Um, like who are people that inspired you? Like teammates, coaches. I mean, like could who, be other- like who's who's on my Mount Rushmore? You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, there. You know, cer- certainly, um, certainly, Coach Paterno is on my Mount Rushmore for all that he gave me at Penn State and my experiences um, at Penn State. I didn't want. I didn't want to go to Penn State in the beginning, and my mother made me go. I mean, it's a well documented story. Um, but I'm so glad that I'm a Penn State man today because, you know, our community of players is is really special. But, you know, on that Mount Rushmore, you know, there's there's a few people, you know, and certainly it includes some football coaches. So the football coaches that are on that Mount Rushmore for me are, you know, my linebacker coach with the Washington Redskins, Larry Pecatello. He was a different kind of guy. He wasn't really all football. You know, he was a tough guy, but you know, he, he kind of accepted us for, for the way we were. So he's on my Mount Rushmore just for, for trusting me, believing in me and, you know, you know, giving me opportunity. I was with him eight out of my 10 years in the NFL, you know, on different teams, you know, he, he was my linebacker coach. I think other football coaches that go on there, you know, lesser known guys like Bob Slowick, who was the defensive backs coach um, with the Chicago Bears when I was there? Just loved his little tidbits um, every morning, just talking about life. And another guy that really trusted me. Um, it was late in my career, so physically I wasn't capable of all the things I could do when I was a younger player. And I think Bob realized that, kind of let me slide a little bit in <laughs> practice because he knew on game day I was going to try and show up and do something special. So um, really appreciated um, him. I think, you know, over the years, I've had some really good friends. You know, I don't have a lot of friends, but I have some good friends. And I have to go all the way back to high school um, to a couple of guys, uh, Pat Fawcett, who's an actor now in Hollywood. So there was this art thing that was going on. So he He's an actor in Hollywood and he's had some success and our other partner in crime, uh, Troy Catlett, these two guys, we, we just did everything together. We, we just, you know, we treated each other with respect. We laughed with each other, got in trouble together, but you know, there's, there's been this lasting friendship. We don't talk every day, but when we do get together, it's like, we've never, um, we've never missed a beat. Yeah. My mom's on, my mom and my dad are on my Mount Rushmore. You know, my my dad, 
because he instilled in us in a quiet way. He wasn't a man of many words. You know, he was a quiet dad. He just wasn't one of those dads just constantly gabbing and in my in your ear all the time. Do it this way. Do it that way. He wasn't that type of dad. But when he did say things, they were truly meaningful. And I just appreciate his commitment to being consistent, you know, his commitment to hard work. He's on my Mount Rushmore. I think I, I think I have those qualities. And then my mom, who really, when I talk about my artistic inspiration, she was really the one, she was just the, the sweetest mom. She's really the one who always challenged us as kids to, to understand words, uh, to write poetry to uh, play word games. And I just remember that being so much fun. And I'd come home and I'd you know, say to my mom, I said, mom, I got a word. I know you don't know how to spell because I would have trouble spelling it. And, you know, maybe, maybe it was Cincinnati because it, you know, it's a little bit of a tricky word. I say, mom, I bet you don't know how to spell Cincinnati. And she just rattle it off. But she always would play little fun games like that. So, you know, so those are the kind of people on my Mount Rushmore, my brother, Jerry, um, you know, who's just a year younger than me, you know, just so inspired by how hard he worked uh, in high school and at Penn State and, you know, all of my brothers really and my sister. So, you know, it's a big Mount Rushmore, but I keep those people close to me. And yeah, but that's uh, great to have yeah. that many people that do inspire you. And, and again, like, because you do come from such a big family, I think it's like, it sounds really cool that you really did have this great balance of creativity and athleticism growing up. Like, you know, you had a lot brothers that played football. You had a mom that like was encouraging like creativity in your house. Like that's, that's like a really great childhood that you are able to do both. Cause again, like I think sometimes particularly boys, you know, like dads want you to be like the athlete and that's it. Like you can't show that creativity, but it sounds like you really did have this amazing childhood where you were doing both all the time. Like that's yeah, it was fun. I, I, I did some goofy stuff and they, <laughs> you know, they, they would laugh at me and um, they just would shake their head, but they never really told me to stop. So uh, just by the way, do, do, do you still play the trumpet? Ever? Uh, you know, I, I don't. <laughs> and I'm so mad at myself um, for not because my son now plays the trombone and I wish. Oh, I, that's but, awesome. but that's one of my that's one of my goals in the next couple of years to get back on that and really pick that back up and really be able to play a mean trumpet. Yeah. Do you uh, you know, with your artwork, is it something like do you want to start really doing exhibitions at all? I know you're like a really busy person on top of like being creative, like, do you want to like really start showing your work in a, you know, in a, in a gallery setting more, more often? Is that something like a goal of yours? I think, I think that's on, I think that's on my horizon. You know, I, you know, I, I love the work that I do right now with the NFLPA. you know, I'm 52. So I feel like, um, you know, there's, there's, that's maybe my next generation of my life is trying to figure out my art and really devoting sincere time to my artwork. I haven't painted in a minute. Um, and maybe it's just because, you know, maybe artists move in and out of those periods of creativity. Um, so I haven't painted in a minute, but um, 
definitely will always paint in my life and definitely will want to try and showcase that more. And it might be the thing that I need. It might be my next purpose. It might be my next purpose after my work with the NFLPA is done. Yeah. I, so I want to talk a little bit about your athletic career because you, you like, first of all, you're a national champion with Penn State in 90 or um an 80, uh, 80, the 86 80, season. Yeah. yeah. And then you're, you won a super bowl with, with Washington. So like you've like, you've been on the highest of plateaus in, in the sport on top of being a, you know, a butt kiss finalist. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is there something that like, I mean, they probably all stick out in some ways, but is there, is there like moments to you that, still resonate as an athlete that maybe, maybe beyond, you know, maybe it's just a simple play that you wouldn't think about. Maybe it's not, not the Super Bowl um, that everybody would associate or something like that, that like you really resonates, I guess, is the best way to say it. I mean, my, you know, when I talk about my football career, you know, I'm, I'm not a hall of fame player, um, but I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade my 10 year career with anyone. Um, you know, I was on some good teams and I was on some, some bad teams. I was on teams that won almost every week. And then I was on a few teams that lost almost every week. So I've been on both sides of it, but for me, I just always wanted to, um, work hard and perform well. So even on those bad teams, when I would come in on Monday morning and know that I checked all of the boxes for my goals and really, you know, was productive on the field, I'd sit there with my cup of coffee and I'd be smiling. I'd be beaming because I knew um, that I performed. Uh, but certainly, you know, my my time with uh, with Washington really stands out with Coach Gibbs. We worked so hard. We worked so hard and so consistent and we won a ton of football games and it was fun. It was fun winning every week. Um, and the, especially that Super Bowl year. Well, the end of coming toward the end of my rookie season, uh, we might have won, you know, five or six out of the last, you know, seven games. And we were really starting to gel as a team. It was a little too late in 1990 for us to make a run at the Super Bowl and I think we lost to San Francisco in the divisional rounds. Um, but then the next year, there was just this feeling that this team was going to be um, special. So I'm just happy to be along for the ride. Yeah. My most memorable my most memorable play uh, with Washington was um, the NFC Championship game. And I just remember as a boy just always thinking, man, the NFC Championship game is even better than the Super Bowl. I know. No, it's I just, agree. It's There's something the about game. that Sunday afternoon, those games. Oh. It's always, it was always the best game. So when I found myself in that game, I was just overjoyed. And my, my favorite play um, as a Washington player was, um, you know, the game was still somewhat close. I think we were leading 17-10 and Detroit was driving on us. And it was a big third down. Uh, we had scouted them so well. Um, and we they called a blitz. They called my number. And 
I read it just right. And when I made my move, no one on the interior line blocked me. But when I got up to the backfield, there was Barry Sanders there to try and block me. I love <laughs> Barry and much respect, but he tried to block me. And I just got I just got 10 feet tall and just just went over him, you know, high in the air and swallowed up the quarterback um, for a big sack. You know, they turned the ball over on downs and it was just um, for me. I just remember just saying, oh, my God, you know, everything was moving in slow motion, probably. Yes. And I was just like um, it was just one of those moments where preparation and action kind of came together and created this special moment. And I loved my time in Washington, but there was just really something extra special about my time in Chicago. I wasn't there long. I was only there for about a season and a half. But those guys on the Bears team, I think I think part of it was because when I was playing in Washington, I was a younger guy on an older team. But when I got to Chicago, most of us were kind of the same age. So I just really had a ball with those guys and my time in Chicago um, was really special. And I made a lot of big plays um, in Chicago and did you play with um, Chris Spielman in Detroit? Did you overlap with him? I, I did not. Okay. He he left a couple of years before I got wondering. there. Yeah, his brother was actually, um, when I got to Chicago, his brother was the general manager. He was uh, my weightlifting coach at Ohio State. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, a small, small world. But I just, I loved my time uh, with the Bears. Um, yeah. That was probably my favorite year. What I mean, like you, you working still within that, the NFL, I mean, you obviously still watch the game to you, you know, you haven't been out of the NFL for that long. The game has changed so much. Like what, like, do you have any like feelings about that? It's like, I mean, is it just, is it weird to watch in some ways or is it, is it fun to, I mean, I'm sure it's fun to watch, but. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, for me, it's still, it still looks like football and and it's still, it's the quality is still tremendous. I think the game we played was a little more, a little more barbaric. We yeah. didn't care about each other um, as much. And when I go back and look at some of those old films, I can't even believe uh, that I played because of some of the things players did to me and some of the things <laughs> I did to other people. Um, but when I watch today's game, I think these athletes today are, are definitely bigger, stronger, and leaner than we were as players. So they can really generate a lot of force um, today. Um, the, the game is faster because the players are absolutely faster than we were. And um, there really needed to be some health and safety changes to, to help keep players safe. And I'm just glad that the game goes on. It's a much safer game. Some of the things that we did like blindsiding each other there was never any reason um, to really do that. Um, and That's I how we were really... taught. I yeah, remember, yeah. I remember just even in peewee football, it's, you know, just, just blast the guy. That was like basically yeah. the, the verbiage. Just... Yeah. So for me, there was never really any reason to do that. So I'm so glad that that's out of the game and, you know, that these guys can have, you know, long careers, uh, generally stay healthy. You're not going to be able to avoid some injuries, but generally uh, stay healthy. And, you know, you know, it leads to a better quality of life after the game. Yeah. Do you watch uh, other sports like to any extent? Like, is it, 
football. I do. I, I'm I'm a sports fan, yeah, and even true. when I watch football, I don't watch all too critically. I'm yeah. I'm a fan, yeah. you know, when I'm watching. But you know, I watch football. You know, naturally, I root for um, the Bears and and Washington. Um, in basketball, I'm from New Jersey. I was even though so close to Philadelphia, I was always a Nets fan, still a Nets fan today. You don't have Hockey. a bad team. <laughs> yep, yep. And we're finally having our moment. And somehow I convinced my son to be a Nets fan. So we enjoy that together. Um, awesome. Hockey, I'm a Devils fan. Haven't had a lot to cheer about uh, lately with the Devils. But, um, you know, when I was a boy, you know, they won a lot. And um, that was fun. Um, and baseball, for whatever reason, I've always been a San Francisco Giants fan. So they've given me a lot to cheer well, about. If you ever come down to Richmond, where I live, we're we're the double A uh, affiliate for the San Francisco Giants. It was actually, I think it was last year or something. I'm friends with the uh, president for the flying Richmond Flying Squirrels, and I was in like his like there's like they call it Parney's Pub, and we're down there after a game, and you know people are in there and blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden Will Clark was standing in front of me, and I was like, this I this guy's swing. I emulated. I was just like, what is going on? Why, why is he here? Because yeah, right <laughs> they was there for the something something with the Giants or something. And I was just like, this is a crazy moment. So yeah, I, mean, but I but, think I've, I've enjoyed the Giants the most, you know, recently uh, going back and forth to San Francisco, always, you know, taking a few extra days, always trying to time it up, you know, with a Giants homestand. So, you know, that that's been fun. That's smart. That's smart. I, you said something earlier that kind of resonated with me that, you know, you said something that you, you couldn't even believe that you were, I think how I opened the conversation, you like talking about, you couldn't even believe that you were there, that you played. I mean, it, it has to be, I've, I've talked to other athletes that it, like, you know, uh, Joe Barry Carroll, I had on the podcast, and this is a guy that, you know, was the number one pick in, in, in the NBA in 1980. And, it, and it's still like, was surreal to him in some ways that he played against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and like that kind of, you know, mm -hmm. you just mentioned Barry Sanders, probably the most talented running back that has ever played the game. And, 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 and you know, again, like in retrospect, like looking back, it's like, that had to be kind. That has to be kind of crazy to like think that I played against some of the greatest players that ever played the game. I yeah, mean, I I played I played in a really cool time. I mean, yeah. you know, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith. Yep. You know, so many guys. The quarterbacks that I played against: Marino, um, Montana, Steve Young, um, Randall Cunningham, um, Troy Aikman. I mean. Troy Aikman was my first sack when I, you know, when I tell people Troy Aikman was my first sack and that um, Brett Favre was my first interception, <laughs> it's almost like, wow, you know, and I, I have to pinch myself, yep. but you know, I, I, I did it. It was me, you know, and it was, um, you know, it, you know, it, those were, those were good times. And, you know, when I think back, you know, I, you know, I was in there, I was, I was working hard and, you know, I must've deserved to be there. So now I, you know, I know you got some, somewhere you got to go. So we'll, we'll wrap up here in a second, but I just want to say, you know, I do think like, and I say this to a lot of people I talk to, but I do think like you're a really inspiring person because again, like you played 
at the highest level for 10 years. And here you are today still talking to players. You're, you're an artist, you're creative, you like talk about it in the most poetic of ways, um, in the most vulnerable of ways. And, and I do think that, you know, professional athletes are role models, whether they want to be or not, like a la Charles Barkley. But when when you're sitting there talking to them and then they relay these in this information out to the public it resonates and so like you are like a source of like inspiration for like you know lots and lots of people because of what you do and how you put it out in the world so i i think it's it's just really important stuff that that you know you do with the nflpa paf and and the people that you work with and and i you know like i'm really excited to like that we got to work with you guys and looking forward to doing stuff in the future. And like when we get back to doing events, when all this is over, like, you know, we would love to have a painting of yours for our, for our exhibitions that we do and, you know, and all this stuff, because I, I do like, I just, I think people like you are like so important to the world because of that source of inspiration and putting it out there and you can do this and this because you're a perfect example of it yeah thank you I, I appreciate that and you know hopefully i am an inspiration um especially for the for the players that i come across i mean sometimes when i'm talking to them you know they might not hear it in my voice um that i'm a player because i don't always use you know the players coded language yeah. Um, but then, you know, when I reveal that I'm a player, there's just, you know, there's a, there's a trust there that's important. And then it just, it, all the, it makes all the other things that I'm trying to, to coach them up on. It just gives it that much more of a little, of a little punch uh, to get, to get moving and to get going and to try and be creative and take action with your life. So. Yeah. Well, again, like I, I know that you got a, like a meeting here coming up and if you know, I just really appreciate you taking the time and I look forward to us like talking more in, in the future and look forward to seeing more paintings because you're a great painter. And, and, you know, like I can tell you, like you take it really seriously and honestly and, and love doing it. And I love your passion for just creativity in general. It's, you know, like I, you know, I think it like obviously has gone to your kids as well, because both your kids are doing creative things. And, and I think that that's just awesome. Yeah. You know? Well, I try, I mean, I try and rear my kids the way that, um, the way that my mom uh, reared me. I just always allow them that space to be who they are. Yeah. And um, we don't have a quiet house and my <laughs> wife is the same way. Um, get your opinion out there. Um, you matter. My kids are even telling us, "Hey, this this piece of furniture doesn't really belong right here." So, <laughs> I mean, they're they're one hundred percent invested in everything that this family does, and you know, I like I like hear I like hearing from them. So, yeah. it's a, it's a good time. Being at home is fun yeah. for us. Well, that's yeah. great. Well, again, like I appreciate you taking the time because I know you are extraordinarily busy. And as I said, you know, I really look forward to doing stuff in the future together um, and all that stuff. I, the only thing I was going to ask you, and you, this could be kind of cool, actually, is I always ask the guests if they have music that they, you know, certain kind of music or if you have musician friends that would want to 
donate music to the podcast, you know, when I produce it. But maybe if your son had some music that he actually did, we could use that. <laughs> I don't I don't think Chet has anything ready to go. But, okay. you know, what I what I, I list, I'm I'm usually jazz. I mean, okay. it's it's a weird combination. I'm either or I'm either jazz or classic rock. So, okay. you know, on I'll the put jazz, something together <laughs> on the jazz and on the jazz and I'm Roy Hargrove. So mm-hmm. if if that that's my vibe and you know that's my you know whiskey and music inspiration to when <laughs> i'm when i'm painting it's almost always um hardgrove so and then on the rock side it's you know on the rock side it's uh led zeppelin or uh jimmy Hendrix. Yeah, we're, we're, we're we're virtually the same age so we're in the same spot so <laughs> but it's all good so yeah put whatever music to it yeah. that you need to cool awesome well thank you again like i i really truly appreciate it i look forward to like as i said staying in contact and and you know doing some stuff in the future together thanks ron for sure thank you. absolutely you have a great day man you too. Bye. Bye. really a big thanks to andre for jumping on the podcast today really you know so cool to hear his football stories and his inspirations and how he got back into creativity and how creative and how much really creativity means to him uh, again make sure to stop by his site on instagram at andre collins cafe and again check out the nflpa professional athletes foundation on instagram at your paf do not forget to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C. You can follow us at theabstractdoctors.com or on social media under The Abstract Doctors and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at One Man's Ethos, where you can check us out at onemansethos.com. You can also follow Tony on Instagram at Tony Mandridge or on Twitter at Tony underscore Mandridge. And you can also check out his incredible Incredible photographs at TonyMandrich.com. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information, including daily creative training journals and subscription boxes. See you next time when we talk with author, motivational speaker, host of the Speak Your Success podcast, and former college basketball player, Jonathan Jones. Thanks as always, and do not forget to exercise the body, and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.